Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heart of Sports. Jason Spring, Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, tell me how you're doing this week, man. Are you missing baseball? I know it was all supposed to start. I know this is a tough time for you. You know, I, I take out my, my tickets for the Phillies every day and just kind of sadly look at them. And then someone said to me the other day, he goes, you know, they'll make good bookmarks. <laughs> it, 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 you look, you look it, real it, somber. I've got to be honest. You know, some days I get happy, Jeff. Some yeah. days angry, Jeff. I see sullen, Jeff. Today is that? I just need are? baseball. Not, not because of everything else, but because of your lack of baseball. Well, you know, I needed baseball until until I saw snow today. Like, really, w- what are we doing with flurries on April tenth? They wanted to make sure that you weren't actually missing what you thought you were going to say. Well, but I don't baseball, think I don't. Baseball I don't, clearly has taken the time that they have to listen to Jeff Cohen because I see ideas out there for some Cactus League and Grapefruit League baseball, Jeff. Does that give you hope? Well, so they're kind of twisting it a little bit and talking about maybe doing it all in Arizona. Yeah, explain to our listeners so, what would happen here. So so the, the plan that's leaked out is for everybody to play in the state of Arizona. And to change the leagues for one year, which is what we talked. We talked about having Cactus League versus versus our, um, the Grapefruit League. Now we're sitting there. What are you doing? Taking a just, just so every just so everybody knows, we're, we're now doing we're social distancing, which is always a good thing for Jason Jeff, and I. Just so. excited to get away from me. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Um, I, the circumstances are not good, but the fact that you're able to stay away from me is something that you're not is, really is, planning. Is about. even better. But I think at this point, let's talk to the person who's social distance probably the most from us right now, and Don Carmen. Yeah, Don Carmen. Uh, we had uh, your ears must have been ringing. We had a conversation about you last week and your participation in the Wax Pack book. Uh, how you doing, sir? Thanks for giving us a little time today. I'm doing well, thank you. Um, yeah, people talk about me a lot. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was amazing to for us to hear about his journey uh, in terms of going around and meeting all these different players. What was it like for you uh, to have somebody come to you with this crazy idea of I'm going to meet everybody in the pack that I opened and share experiences with them? Uh, when he originally mentioned it to me, I mean, I, I didn't really grasp the whole idea. I, I mean, it, obviously, it's a simple, uh, straightforward idea, but it was like, uh, what do you I didn't realize that it was going to be a, a book about people more than it was about baseball, um, and a book about relationships, and also a book about discovery of himself. And I like that. It turned out I, I think it turned out great, especially my two chapters. Well, you, your two chapters are because, <laughs> unlike everybody else in the book, you actually had two chapters because of two things. One, he you were his favorite baseball player. So what was it like when he when you met him and and did he go all fanboy on you or or did he, did he <laughs> did he act like an author? <laughs> um, it was interesting because he was quiet um, and thoughtful and I, for me the interesting part was that um, he noticed so many things in such a short time as far as just. Uh, not not simply the physical, but just um, about my personality, about you know, even who I am, um, and how I how I conduct myself, how I think, and whatever. And it was interesting reading it afterwards. 
he did not go all fan, um, but there was some of that. Um, it was nice, and I, you know, we played catch in the front yard, which was, you know, it's kind of fun. Is it interesting now uh, for you to deal with media requests and people writing books after your infamous 37 responses you've posted for post-game questions for sports reporters? I found that awesome, by the way. I don't care that we cover sports. I just The honesty was fantastic. Can you talk about where the idea came from for posting all the answers to the regular questions you've mundanely received? As a matter of fact, I was just sitting talking um, to... I think it was Dave Rucker um, and we we're just sitting in the locker and I just I'd heard it so many times the same things over and over and obviously you guys understand um, as much as we get yeah, tired we of hearing the same answers yeah you have to ask it and you know what's coming and it's like <laughs> I know what's coming and, and and can you dig a little deeper and that and that's where the your skills come in and it's really and it's really hard and your patience with players for not being uh, a little more forthcoming or colorful um, and understandable because their whole world revolves around the game. So every thought is about the game. Um, so, but the idea just came, we were just chatting about it and I thought, you know what, we should just make a list. I, it just popped into my head. We should just make a list, post it on my locker. And then, so I started the list and Got some input from a few players during batting practice. Or, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and we just, you know, and then just had fun with it. We, you know, I, I just had fun with it and and, and posted it. Um, and it became a, a thing. <laughs> it was, and that uh, was even fun. Your, and, your teammates loved it. What was the reaction of the media to it? And did you think it would become what it did? <laughs> No, it was complete surprise to me. And I thought about it afterwards that, that, that it became as big as it would, as it did. And still, still is, we're still talking about it. Um, I was surprised very much so, but when I thought about it, I thought, you know what, they probably would love to have done this. <laughs> and it's, and, it, and, and maybe there's a message here for some players. And maybe this will actually help us. And at least it's something else to write about other than somebody saying, you know what, you got to give that guy some credit. He pitched really well today. Okay. Good for you. So it was, uh, I understood afterwards, but it, it did not cross my mind that it would be anything. It also seems like it would be good for reporters. Did it make them think about coming up with different questions? And what was the most unique question you got asked in the weeks following it? Probably the only questions I got were about the about my list. <laughs> so the question became right, even less original it, after you said be original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to have to come up with another answer. Add number 38, right? Yes. It. It, it's fascinating to me. Um, I had seen you talk about some of your teammates and the people that you played with. And uh, I'm obviously a Steve Carlton fan a little before my time in terms of playing. But I saw you say he was the hardest working teammate that you ever played with and one of the most powerful people. What did some of your teammates didn't jump at doing the workouts with him? What was it about him that made him so special? Wow. That's just that's such a big question. Um, I would. He was his own person, as everybody knows, anybody that knows about Steve Carlton. He was his own person. The one piece, I, I, I asked players when I got to the big leagues what, um, if you could 
give me one piece of advice, what would it be? I asked um, one guy, and he says, yeah, take more pictures. I went, okay, good. Um, and I got, I got from Greg Gross, I'll never forget. He said, find out what you're good at and get great at it because it's a world of specialty. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. And then Steve Carlton, when I asked him, he said, don't fall in line. And that was great advice, meaning you're your own man. You're the only one with a ball in your hand, but even more so, you know, the way he lived his life, he was his own person at all times. And he still is that person. Um, and that made him unique in the sense that the, he was not like anyone else. And people looked at him as, oh, he's Steve Carlton. He's so, he's so serious. He was like a child in the clubhouse. He's like a 14-year-old kid playing the game, and he loved it. He did, you, and he would goof around as much as – or more than, most, more than most players. It was uh, just but, – but then if you take the physical, obviously his physical ability was just phenomenal. Um, I, a, a perfect example, we were in the back room. We had been working out, and I said, um, Lefty, um, can you just show me how you throw that slider? I mean, why, why not ask him, right? So – he said, well, you just hold it like this and throw the hell out of it. That's it? That's it? That's not even help. <laughs> right? Did it work? You, 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 no, the numbers tell you it didn't. <laughs> you, you know, as, as, a, so, as a player, you, you, you know, I noticed you, you picked up different things from, from different players and, and following your, your major league career, it seems like you've evolved into somebody who's, who's been able to take those, the things that other people have taught you and turn them into you molding the minds of athletes and helping them get past our hurdles. What made you want to go into sports psychology? Um, when I was playing, I had the wonderful opportunity to work with Harvey Dorfman, who was considered the, the best in the business. Um, Scott Boris had said to me, look, I want you to fly to Prescott, Arizona, and spend the weekend with this guy and work with him and because it's going to help you. So <clears throat> having done that, it was, it, and it, it absolutely changed my life. It changed my perspective of me and the game and just life itself. And it was, he was, he was an absolute genius, just an amazing person. Um, and we became very close, but I didn't really talk to him all the time while I was playing whatever, but I would talk to him here and there. And near the end of my career, he said, hey, when you're done, I want you to go to school because you'll be good at this. And then I said, why would you say that? And he said, well, I've never had anybody that I have worked with, and he'd been in the business for 30-plus years, um, that was able to apply all the things I do with such, with such ease and so quickly. Uh, so I would like for you to go back to school and – do this so well i didn't right away i when i left the game or no i i have to rephrase that when the game decided it was done with me that's when i i, I went into basically a little bit of a depression and then it's like yeah i recovered um and 
back to school, which was not an easy task for me. And then, um, and afterwards, you know, and then and got my um, master's and um, Harvey told Scott, um, you should hire him. I, I imagine that's how that I got those there. life experiences. I, I saw you speak about um, dealing with your own anxiety when you played. And um, I, I'm somebody who the importance to me of athletes talking about their own challenges uh, on society as somebody who grew up with anxiety and would have loved role models who admitted that they got a nervous stomach too, and that was okay. I imagine that the experiences of challenge, dealing with your own hurdles and then dealing with the issues of depression that you mentioned afterwards helped to shape that you work with the players now. Can you talk about the importance of the mind when it comes to not just you know, sports, but life in general, as somebody who works with players regularly? My experiences through life, all the way from childhood, all, and, and, the, and the things, and competing at the major league level, and, and experiencing fear, um, and sadness, and rejection, and much, and, and off the charts anxiety at times, um, and performance anxiety, and and just and seeing everything slip away, all those things are are, are experiences um, that I draw on, obviously. And I can now I can talk to these guys, and I can feel it when they talk about it. And and this isn't about baseball. Most of what I work with, and, and this is one of the things that Harvey would say, is say, you know, ten to twenty percent of it is about baseball. The rest is really about you and how you live your life and how you your day-to-day uh, experiences and how you respond to um, difficulties or anxieties or fears or sadness and because they're all coming all these things are coming in everyone's life and anybody that tells you that they've never been nervous or they've never been anxious or sad um, that they're just not brave enough or to, they're so afraid to say it, one of the, one of the two, or there's something wrong. <laughs> and that's a whole different world. But, but everybody experiences all of these things. And my, my goal is not just to make them perform better. Yes, that's a side, that's a side effect because the person that you, that you are is the one that's going to walk out on that mound or is going to walk up to the plate and, and have, having an ability to do this in all parts of your life, not just when you're performing, but when you, when you, when things are not right at home, when you're having marital problems or dealing with your children, all of these things are, are the things that, that I, these are things that are, that are, going to be with you forever these are the things and that person's going up to the plate and and it helps them to understand that they're they're not the lone ranger every person on this planet is dealing with these types of issues and that's and, and what you and harvey used to say that that the the difficulty is if you don't have a plan when the storm hits because it's coming and so you 
and then you're not afraid of the storm. Then you're not afraid of the difficulties. You know they're coming, and I have a plan. This is how I respond. But if I don't really, if I don't do that, and I don't have a plan, then I'm overwhelmed. And, and that happens in every walk, in every aspect of your life. One of the things when we talk to athletes that, that you hear a lot, especially with baseball players, is that when you're pitching or when you're up at the plate, people don't, the fans don't realize how lonely it is and how much time you have to think up there if you're not thinking of your plan. Is that, is that part of, of conquering it, is to, to have the plan to also keep it, keep it from dealing with the other distractions that you have in your life when you're out there alone? To be honest with you, most of the distractions out, outside the white lines um, are not what you take out there. What you're taking out there is the person who hasn't dealt with those things or isn't dealing with them. And now you're dealing with that in a, in a microcosm of that on the mound. Or let's say you walk out on the mound and you feel great, everything feels great, and um, what you're, you're, the anxiety comes at different times for different reasons. And, th- and those are the things you have to be, have plans for. You don't just plan for, oh, you, you know, it's great you, to think, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to visualize myself getting everybody out, just pounding away and striking people out. And you know what, what happens when it doesn't go that way? You need a plan because the only way you can guarantee that that's not, that you're not going to get kicked around a little bit is to stop playing. Because everybody's well, that, going to get kicked around. I wanted to get back a little bit to the game on the field. I, I saw you at, at some previous events talk about um, the DH and, and replay. Doesn't seem like you're too much of a fan of either of them. Uh, any thoughts change on that? Or are you still uh, not a replay guy and uh, prefer to keep uh, not the DH in the National League? You like You like pitchers being able to hit, right? <laughs> I wish they could all hit, especially me. I could <laughs> now batting is different than hitting. True. <laughs> but yes, True. I, I wish I, I wish yes, I, I, I think it's a wonderful part of the game. It's a colorful part of the game. It was it was originally there and I'm not, probably not as opposed to it as I used to be because I'm far enough away and I, they're not gonna take a bat out of my hand. But I just it's just too much fun and and I, I I just don't I don't like the idea that somebody can just hit and but that's a personal thing. There's an argument for either way. My personal opinion, um, I don't like it. Now the replay, I despise the replay. Why? It's if if baseball is supposed to be a metaphor for life, uh, how many replays do you get? You don't get them. The idea is. How do I how do I learn to deal with with what I consider unfair or a bad call or something? It's like those things happen in everyday life. And how am I going to learn to deal with those things if they're going to let me do it over? Well, if it goes wrong, we're going to back up the film and make sure we got it right. Uh, no, I don't. You're not supposed to get it all right. We're people, and umpires blow calls. That's that's how it works. And, and sometimes you, yeah, you know what? It, it's just, it's the colorful part of the game. It's, and it's the truth of the game. It's what really happens. This is how it happens. 
They blew the call. So what? I know. Learn to deal with that. Deal with it. It isn't about about getting it right all the time. Life isn't fair. And sometimes you know, the it, game is not fair. Not, I have to spend my hours with Jeff when we do this show, so I can tell you life isn't fair. But uh, not don't fair, right, <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to replay this either. Don, I, I, I would take again. a replay. We'd love, we'd love to have you back anytime. Uh, you know, it's fun to to talk and hear all these stories. I also appreciate what you're doing with these athletes and sort of raising awareness with them for the challenges they're going through. And then talking about it publicly, which, again, for a kid who grew up with anxiety looking for looking towards athletes who seemed invincible, to know that even invincible people overcome their own challenges. Uh, I appreciate you going out there and what you're doing. So thanks so much for the time. We hope to be able to get you back again at some point soon. You got it. We'll do it again. Thank you so much. You okay. have a good one. Thanks, Jason. Jeffrey. All right. Take it easy. Je- Jeff, It's I love talking the player perspective, but also the professional perspective. Um, you know, you could hear the the pain that, that he went through and then how he's kind of tried to pay that forward with players. Now, uh, anything stick out from you in this interview? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear pain. I, I, I heard optimism. I heard a guy who has taken the experience he's had as a life in his life as a younger player, um, and as younger person and turned it into a second profession. I mean, look, a lot of athletes, you wonder what they do after their career. Um, he might even be, maybe we should ask him this, what, whether, which he considers more rewarding, but my guess is the answer would be that his second career is, um, he gets to help. And pain, pain, you're right, is the wrong way to say it. It's, um, the experiences that shaped him and he's used them as a positive to help other people who are going through the same thing. So. Oh, you know what we, we, what we should have asked him is in, re- in relation to replay. So he came this close to a no hitter. And it bounced off of the heel of, of Milt Thompson's glove. We should have asked him, would he have liked replay if <laughs> they that. would have changed that to an error? <laughs> so that would not be replay for overturning a play. That would be replay for overturning a scoring decision. That's right. I don't know if that's the rabbit hole that he's going to go down with us. Why don't we talk a little football before at the top of the hour we have uh, Louis Tiant come on. We're just going to make it a baseball day. So let's get a little football in for a couple minutes, all right? I need you to explain to me uh, what the heck the Houston Texans are doing. Um, well, they, they went out and gotten Brandon Cooks after giving up one of the best receivers in the game. So that's the thing. They they traded Brandon Cooks uh, to the Texans for the right. 57th overall selection this year. They also got a 2022 fourth round pick. Okay, so he had he's a second round pick who had 583 receptions, do eight million dollars with a history of concussions. They're mm-hmm. paying. Cooks and David Johnson, a combined $18 million in 2019. Right. DeAndre John, uh, DeAndre Hopkins would have cost him $12.5 million. So. Uh, and a better producing player. I don't understand. What is this? How, how many times have you made me rail on Bill O'Brien? I know. I'm I, not, I, it's sort I'm of gonna, I'm not going to take the bait today. The, the, the fact is you just stated facts that are they're incontrovertible. Bill O'Brien has no clue what he's doing. And I don't purport to be a general manager, but it, no, nothing... you don't even purport to be a radio co-host someday. <laughs> hey, um, I don't understand what Bill O'Brien does at all, and and his 
to me, his lack of professionalism at times is even a bigger concern. I, I, you know, to me, I still don't understand. From the players that left that are talking about what their experiences were with him. Right. And, and you know, that, if, I'm a, if I'm a team or an owner, to hear players say that your coach was doing these types of things, that is not what I want to hear. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because the NFL is a different kind of recruiting than college football. In college football, you go to someone's home, you recruit. In the NFL, players have more right to movement once they get to free agency. And they're not coming to play for somebody that is disliked by people that they respect. So no matter what happens and if you make trades, you keep your mouth shut. You say nice things about the people. And you want to make sure that people want to come play for you. Right now, you have Bill O'Brien, who apparently his star quarterback wants out and would like to go to New England. That's not the kind of thing you want when, by the way, you shouldn't have a job by all accounts anyway this year. All right. I'm going to get off your Bill O'Brien high horse. And yeah, I'm thanks going for to making me rant about him again. Um, you we're you know, we're doing this show oil. remotely. Uh, the NFL draft is going to do it remotely, too. Uh, they want to do a mer- virtual draft. Not everybody's cool with that. Uh, Jim, John Harbaugh, some other people have raised security issues. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov uh, had an idea rejected for a te- technical difficulties timeouts during the draft. That one made me laugh. Um, that was rejected. Yeah, that would be, a, that would be abused so much. They're going to do a mock draft. So yeah. All 32 teams can test the technology. Everybody's going right. to have to do it from their homes. Some general managers want extra picks for coronavirus. Yeah, I don't know. What what is adding three rounds at the end of the draft do for anybody? It covers them from making more bus. Uh, You you have more chances to get somebody because I think their thought process is without the ability to work out some of these players and learn about them in the first seven rounds, you're going to potentially select people that aren't going to be what you hope they are. And so now hopefully you find that diamond in the rough in those later rounds. Wasn't Seems there, to be what they're wasn't saying. Wasn't there a combine? Uh, there was. Apparently okay. that's not good enough. Okay. Don't they have film of, of all the guys that played in college this past year? There is. Apparently that's not good enough as well. Okay. Well, then you, you know what? They're not going to find some diamond. In, there's not going to be a bunch of diamonds in the rough in the rough at the, the last three rounds after the Mr. Irrelevant is picked. How many? N- name me two players who weren't drafted. Just name me two. I'm sure there are, but I want to know what two really good players were not drafted in the last five years. Separate from, well, there's there's plenty of people who well, have. You really been, name two. Walk on. I'm not going to top of my head. Right. Because th- there are not. There are there are not a ton. There are guys that make NFL rosters, but there are not a lot of guys that, that warrant another three rounds. You know what you do? You have all this tape. You have plenty of extra time now. Go ahead and look at it and then pick them. And then once it gets to then go to free agency the same way you did before. For the larger issue, uh, where do you stand on the NFL continuing to want to hold the draft at the end of April and all the preparations that they're making to do that? I don't have a problem with them doing the draft. I think that they can have some fun with it. I think that, you know, look, the reason we do this show, the reason other people are, are into sports is beca- because it, it takes you away from reality at times, right? I mean, it's escapism is what sports is. And so here's a chance the NFL can do this and do it safely by doing it the way that they're doing it. And that's fine. What, what the MMA was going to do was ridiculous. Get an Island. (laughs) Yeah. 
it made it made no sense. So they're going to get an island. They're going to ship a bunch of people over there to fight each other and be in in human to human contact, throwing each other around, kicking each other, blood splattering all over each other. Forget droplets. It's going to be lots of stuff flying all over the place, and all of these people weren't going to be quarantined for the necessary period of time, were they? Look, I don't know. So how what, you, how what was the that. plan? I think all these leagues are going to have that same challenge, though, as they look to try to reopen up. That's not to say that they won't be able to. But, you know, Major League Baseball, potentially, we talked about it, wants to have everybody out in Arizona. You're going to have to quarantine them before that. And I saw some players, you know. Zach Wheeler of, was one of them. Zach Wheeler's wife is pregnant. Gonna, yeah, right. Gonna make they're him they're spend expecting and he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be doing that. I don't. I don't blame guy, guys for not wanting to do it. And, and people who are, have been calling the players names because they don't want to be quarantined for four months. It's it's it is still a game. And while I want to see it desperately, I want those players to be safe, and I want those players to be with their families. You, we just talked to a sports psychologist who talks about how. The stuff outside of the game can impact the game, right? How do you think all of these players are going to react when they have no family around them for four months? It's not going to make for a great product. No, I'm there with you. You want to keep talking baseball and bring on our next guest, Jeff? He's on oh. the line waiting to hang out and talk with us. Look at you. I would love to. Uh, we now have Luis Tiantan, who is the author, co-author of a book called Son of Havana, a baseball journey from Cuba to the big leagues and back, which is available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, IndieBound. Luis, how are you? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing well. Uh, I have to, before we get to the book, which is, is a great book and it, your story is amazing, but... I have to ask you, as somebody who watched Cheers religiously, how did you end up on Cheers, and how much fun was it to be uh, on that show? <laughs> For people that don't remember, you were actually not at the bar, but you were you were in a commercial where you were supposed to flub your lines, and then Sam Malone was supposed to come in and get the save. Uh, yep. Did you yep. enjoy that? What was it like? No, yeah, it was nice. It was nice. You know, they... All these guys over there, Sam, all these people around, they were good. They were nice to me, you know, I have a good time with them. And, uh, and that's all about, uh, that's all what I you do, you have it to do, you know, be around nice people, people treat you with respect. And, uh, and that's all what I like to do, you know, I don't, I don't mind. It was good for me. Do that, who wanna tell me I'm gonna be in the show like that before? <laughs> you know, that's a plus. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, I was in the Martin show too. It was great. You know, I mean, uh, it's uh, things you never thought you're gonna do in your life, and they happen for you. That make it happen. And that's the same. The same what I'm telling people. You know, you you go and you have ups and downs. You have a, you know, you have to go through sometimes through hell to get what you want to get. And, uh, and that's what I did. You know, I think, uh, like I said, I thank God every day. They made me strong. You know, I, I know what I want to do. I know what I come into this country to play baseball. I want to get in the big league someday. I did it. I fulfilled my dream. You know, one more you're going to ask me that. You know, I mean, God been good to me. It's still good to me, my family. That's all I care. You know, all these things, 
he's great, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I like to do, I don't, I don't have no problem with that. But I have a good time. You know, you're laughing. This guy take care of me, you know. And uh, that's what I take in life. It be nice to people, and that's what we need to do. We have to get, we have to get one out to be nice to everybody, you know. No fight, your, your no father, hate, you know. You know. Your father was a star in the Negro Leagues, and uh, before you immigrate over, he didn't necessarily want you to play baseball mm-hmm. because of some of the dis- uh, discrimination that he faced. Can you talk about what yep. it was like, um, you know, you immigrated here in 1961 to, to have your career, but what was that like to, to have to balance your father's wishes with your own choice to try and chase your career and then eventually have to separate with them to come over here to play ball? Mm-hmm. Well, like I say, uh, you go through a lot of, lot of stuff. Uh, I, I'm not wishing to any human being because uh, I tell you what, you know, it's not a great thing that happened to any of us. You know, we get saying happen, and you have to face it. And, uh, and you have to find out a way how to go through that. You know, we all quit, we all complain about this, about that. You know, you, you have to do what you want to do. And uh, one thing, I want to play baseball. See, my father, in the beginning, he didn't want me to play. He wanted me to go to school. Okay, uh, my mother made him to let me play. Because uh, I was selected to go to Mexico in 1957. In the Olympic, you know, the Olympic in the... They have a baseball uh, juvenile, you know, Latin American games. They have a United States, Panama, Puerto Rico, Dominican, Cuba, Mexico, you know, and we we play in Mexico City. Uh, my father don't want me to go, and then my, my mother told him, you know, hey, that don't happen every day. Let it go, you know, and, uh, and finally he let me go, you know, and then. When I go there and I come back, you know, the, the head friends, his friends told him, hey, you better go watch your son. He's good. You know, and then he started watching me, and then he saw me pitch a couple of times, and then he, he coming and uh, uh, checking my hand one day, I pitch and I throw a chair up, and they coming across the street with a height. I see when he coming, he hide for me, and then when I finish the game, he, he he walk across the avenue and come in and shake my hand and say, nice going. And then from that point on, he started telling me things about the game, about pitching, you know, and, uh, and he saying he go through. And then when I come here in 1962, that's what I find. Uh, I think why he don't want me to play because of what he going through in those years. You know, the problem with the... Races and you can play in the big league. You have to go to the Negro League, you know. And, and maybe he think that never gonna change, and uh, it change, you know. And then Jackie Robinson coming, Luke Gitte and Larry Dove, all those guys, you know, and, and open it for us. And uh, and, uh, and that was the great thing that happened to me because uh, my first game I pitching against the Yankees '64. You know, I, I said it. Uh, before after the game when I checked out the Yankee and what for and then I say, you know, I I here to stay. And while my father then let it let it do that, pitch him in the big league. Now I'm pitching the big league and I'm here to stay and put their name up. 
Uh, and that's what I did, you know. Thank you, God. I, I fight and do my thing. Uh, you know, and the thing is that you have to be persistent in life. You, you just can't sit down and thinking about who's sorry for you. Or sometimes listening to people, they don't know what they're talking about. Because, uh, I know a lot of people tell me, even the scout used to go Cuba. And uh, he don't sign me because uh, he said the way I throw, I'm going to have my hand and I'm never going to pitch in the big league. I used to pitch in 19 years, 25 year professional, 22 winter ball. Because nobody knows nothing about baseball. They say, depending on you, what you want to do, what you approach your life, or what you want to do, nobody can take in that work for you. And that's what I did. Uh, one thing is that God made me strong. And one thing I do, and I'm telling the young kids, you have to be a leader, not a follower. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of people here. A lot of people around the world, they follow everybody. You don't follow nobody. You, you have to make in your own life, you have to do what you want to do. So you're only living one life, not two, one life. We look in the way sometimes you, you survive for the accident, this and that, but we look in that way. But we only live in one, one life, and we don't know when that time is going to come. Okay, you have to take in every little bit in respect and do what you need to do. You know, enjoying life and enjoying what you do. And that's what I did. You know, I, I really don't care about too much about what people thinking. I don't care about what people say. And I still the same way. You know, and uh, I, I come in here to play baseball. I don't come in here to take in drugs, to be alcoholic, to be woman, to rape people. You know, I don't I don't come in that I don't come in here for that. I come in here to play baseball. And that's what I did all my life. You know well, uh, I'm not, proud not of only, that. I'm proud of that. Not only did yeah. you play baseball really, really well, um, you are a, a pitcher that that some of us, including myself, pretended mm -hmm. to be when we when we pitched as youngsters, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you, yeah, your yeah. delivery is is like no one else's. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and and I remember as 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 a young kid trying mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. you on the mound. By the way, my coach didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> but but can you tell us? I know you talk about it in the book. Tell us about that moment on June twenty eighth, nineteen seventy two. When when that delivery was born and how it came about? Yeah, yes, <laughs> I was I was I was in the bullpen. Seventy one when I come into Boston. Seventy two, I started the year in the bullpen. I never was a bullpen pitcher. I was a starter all my life, you know. And then uh, that day, Sonny Silver, he come in sick. He got fever. He got cold. And he can pitch. Then Eddie Casco was the manager. He come into he come in the office and he told me, are you, "Are you ready?" I said, "I've been ready all my life. Just give me the ball. What <laughs> about just give me the ball?" Yeah, I go start the game, and you know again again Cleveland. I'm pitching again Cleveland. And then in the seventh inning, I got the hit and two strike, no ball. And then coming to my mind, nobody told me anything, what to do, what not to do. They come into my mind and say, let me try this and see what happens. You know, and then I, I look in the center field, I look in the sky, then I throw side down. 
And the guy, I see the eyes big. He moving for home play. And the ball right in the middle of the play, three three. And he asked, he asked Fisk, what is that? He said, no, it's a new pitch. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, it's a new pitch. And then from that point on, you know, I win 172 games. Because I, I, it really hurt me a lot, you know. And uh, I never thought I was going to come back that way. You know, win three, three times, 20 games or more. You know, and I, and I was a better pitcher when I come in 1964. The only problem was, or the only thing different was, I used to throw 98, 99 when I was in Cleveland. Then in, in those years, I threw maybe because it, I hurt my, my my shoulder break. My velocity changed, you know. I, I used to throw, like I said, 98, 99. And then I maybe, when I come back, it takes me a year and a half to come back and then my velocity was 91, 92, maybe 93, you know, when I really want to pump in my Facebook to somebody. And I say, well, I, I had to come out with something different. I hide the ball better, uh, stay back better, you know, and using my body the best way I can do it. And that's what one was saying, they changed my life, if you want to call them that way. Because uh, they... They bury me, okay? They bury me, and I'm coming from the tomb and show the people they don't know what they're talking about, and they don't know what you can do. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking for anybody. We can do things, and sometimes you sit down uh, and look in yourself and talking to yourself, uh, and you say, how I did this? How I did that? Huh? You did it because you tried. You see, you're making adjustments, and, that, and that's what you want to do. That's all about life. You have to try things. You have to make adjustments, you know, and that's how you get better in life. But a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't want to make a change, don't want to uh, adjustment, and that's why you get hurt. That's why you don't pitch it for too long. Now you see the guy. How many guys here? Yeah, he throw 90, 95, 100. But they can throw a strike, you know. And that, to, to me, pitching, pitching is one thing. And, and throw hard is another thing. You will throw it. You even know where the ball goes. So when you learn how to pitch it, you know what to do with the hitter. You know what you have to do with the hitter. And you have to use your brains. And that's what I tell them people. You have to use your brain. That puts your brain inside in your head is cold to learn it, to 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 do things things you think you can do uh, and now you got this problem now with the computer everything is computer I mean that's okay for business the, the doctor office all the things fine I don't have no problem with that but when you have to go over there and you're gonna you, you're gonna prefer and you're gonna get better because of what you do. You have to use your brain. Computer no one to help you. I don't care what they say. You know, you have to do your own. And, uh, and you're looking around, and that's what I learned. It's a lot of people in the big league, a lot of players. They have a better ability than you have. How are you going to get them out? You have to use your brains. How I can get this guy out? What I have to do to get him out? You're just telling me you're going to listen to the computer and say, oh, this guy is inside both, inside both hitting. So what? 
you, you can throw the ball in there consistently? No, you're going to get in trouble. And you see the games every day, wherever it happens. Two ball, no strike. Three ball, no strike. Three, two. Then the guy hit it. Ten foul. Now you, you throw in one hit, a 15 pitch. When you get the 10 in it, what do you got? 85 pitch. You only can throw 100. You see? And, uh, and that's the problem we have today. We have to use the greens. The green, that's what is there to use it. And you know what is it? Like I said, I don't want to offend anybody, but you know how stupid we are in that way. Who invented the computer? It was a human well, being, no? Yeah, it was. No? Well, yeah, okay. No, it was you're, you're a man right. or a, a woman. A, he, it was a human uh, uh, being. And, and, and look, yeah, you know, yeah. and then, you're. And, you're your baseball IQ um, and, mm-hmm. and your, your mental strength and your, your willingness to take risks. Everybody, that, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when we told people that we were having you on the show, especially people from the New mm-hmm. England area, they mm-hmm. all know you mm-hmm. by, by, the, by yep. those characteristics. Uh, and, yep. and you're yep. beloved mm-hmm. in that area. And, and I have to tell yep. you, mm-hmm. as, I, as I was reading your book, and, and the, my first thought is, you know, when, when I look at baseball and and having watched mm-hmm. it for 50 plus years i usually mm-hmm. can can say just by if you name a player i can say hall of fame mm-hmm. not hall of fame and and i yep, i have yep. to tell you my gut tell, always said you were in the <laughs> hall of fame and i, I was kind of surprised not to see you there and and no, and i have to tell you you know uh, I looked at the records of, of 20 pitchers who are in the hall of fame who, are, who mm-hmm. don't nearly have the stats you do and and catfish, like catfish hunter, you had more wins, more strikeouts, more complete games, more yep, shutouts. Yep, Same yep, thing with yep. Jim Bunning. You had more wins, complete yep. games, and shutouts. Mm-hmm. I know that you have said yep, yep. Um, and told your wife that if, if you're inducted after you pass away, you told them not to go. Yep. Do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's it. To me, that's the low things a human being can do to another human being. Wait till you die to put you in the Hall of Fame. What are you going to do? What are you gain with that? More agree for your family? You know, this is the same they do to Ron Santo. Some other guy, now Mini Minoso, a lot of other guys before. You know, you know, Ron Santo had a problem with his diabetes. He loses both legs. Why you not put him in? Why you wait till he die? I he play? I he do a better record? No. Well, what do you think is it? It should be now. Why you don't think it should be before that? See, to me, that's people who don't have no heart. Okay? Will you, that's the problem will you go, with that. Will you go if you're inducted while you're still alive? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have to go. I don't have no chance. Man, I don't have no problem with that. And I, I, I think to me, like I tell you right now, all these people both, they should look at themselves. Look in the mirror every day at home and see... What did they do? What did they do to other people? I think that's inhuman. You wait till somebody die to put them in the hole. When you know, <clears throat> you look in the record, like you said, the other guy, 21 pitch in the big league, I got a better record than the hole of fame. And you got the hole of guy there, you know, putting me, or you know, putting Tony Oliva, you know, putting uh, Jim Carr, Tommy Young. You know, that's crazy. I, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Don't tell me you have to wait 
to I die to put me in the hollow place. You talk about about going home and looking in the mirror. You did have the opportunity to eventually go back home to Cuba and then go back again Mm -hmm. when President Obama was there, Mm -hmm. Castro, and throw out the first pitch when Major League Baseball was there. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what that experience was like to get to go back home after so many years? Uh, in the beginning, before I go, I thought it was going to be the greatest thing I can do because you know, combat, you know, being uh, you know, combat to 46 years, that's a long time to you combat to your country. And, you know, a lot of my friends to die here or someplace or whatever, and they can combat to cure. And, uh, and what I say is that, you know, <clears throat> yes, I, I ask God every day, please. Don't let that happen to me. Let me see my country. And then, same with my father, mother come. I asked, don't let me go through what my friends going through. They, they, their father, mother died in Cuba. They don't know when they can bury, you know. I said, let me see them. Let me bury. And I know what they are. And I can go and give you my respect. See, uh, and that's sad. You know, you're really looking at it. That's sad. That's what you say now with this disease. You can even say hi or bye to you, to your parents, to your son, to your mother. You know, that's a hard. That's a hard thing to be in life. And we, we don't get it. We don't get it. And, uh, you know, and, uh, for me, to come back was good. But uh, when I get there, it was a different story. You know, you know what's what I left? You know what I'm saying? The, the the house, the the place, the, the town, even where I grew up, where I bought, it was different. I even recognize. I go by one block, I had to come back, because I even recognize the place where I bought. That's how bad it was. So how many, how, how where they changed, you know, and, uh, and and that's sad. It's sad to me. That's a sad thing happened to any human being. And, uh, and, and then, you know, you, when I go see my family, Forget about it. You know, you mean all the the food we throw them away here, all the things we we no use in here because we don't need it or whatever. And then these people were there, they can even have a coffee. Okay, because when I get there, I, I ask it. You can give me a coffee, Cuban coffee. No, we don't have it. I had to give you some money to go to the store or whatever and buy me. Next day I come back and they get the coffee. You know, and uh, and that's sad. And this is the thing that that uh, you're looking at a reality of life. We really don't have to go through that. We really no should go through that. But I guess it happened. And uh, what are you gonna do? You know, you can get you can get made with the war. You're gonna have to do what you have to do. And, uh, and then the other thing is when I go with Obama, Obama was there. The the best thing that happened to me. In that trip, because we're only there for two days. Most of the time, we have a, what do you call it, a, a press conference, a press conference every day, okay? And uh, when I go to the ballpark and throw the first pitch, I throw, uh, I throw to one of the security, you know, the, the big guys there, to take care of Obama, all the guys. I ask him, you, I can meet Obama, so I want to meet him. I say, I want to meet Obama. Uh, he said, okay, uh, let me see. 
no, I go through the first pitch, or I come back to the dugout. He, he got me, he dropped me. He said, come on, come on with me. And he take me behind home play with the screen. And Obama was sitting down there. And uh, I even see Raul. Raul was next to him, but Raul was small. And you can see to the screen and the wall. And uh, he was there, and then he introduced it to me. And uh, he checked it. He, he get up and and put the hand through the to the net and checking my hand. How you doing, my friend? How are you? Sir? I'm fine. I'm fine. Sir. How are you? Fine. Then the the girl be with Raul. I think it's easy to translate. You know, she see Obama do that, and she told him Castro to do the same thing. Then he come and he get out, he checking my hand, you know. But uh, I, I really, be honest to you, I don't want to do. <laughs> but he's the president of the country, you know. And then this, uh, everybody in the world watches you. If you do something like that, people are going to tell you, you're not going to say, you know, having no good manners, you, you're bad. You know, I, I had to check in my hand. I had to check in the hand. I said, you know, then the Obama wife, she coming to and checking my hand, and, and then I go. But I really wow. want to go in there and sit down and talk to him. And that's the best we, thing that happened to me in that trip. We will let everybody read all about it in your book, Son of Havana, A Baseball Journey from Cuba mm-hmm. to the Big Leagues and Back. Louis, thank you so mm-hmm. much for the time today. We wish you no, the best of luck no, with the book friend. and everything. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you to give me the opportunity to be in the show, you know. And, uh, and I want to say to the people today, with, with the beers we have, please stay home, doing what they tell us to do. That way, that thing can go by too. Well, we Jeff understand. And I are doing you our see part how many. Staying away from each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, we yeah, very yeah. much appreciate yeah, the time, yeah. Louis. No. Okay, Thanks. my friend. Thank you very much, okay? Thank you so much. God God bless you and your family, okay? Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Same to you and your family. Jeff, that was... Okay, my friend. Thank you. Jeff, that's like, I mean, you're you're talking history from start to finish. His father started in the Negro Leagues. He's his own career in baseball. And then the geopolitical situation of going back to Cuba years later uh, with Obama. That's a pretty amazing story that man has right there. Yeah, it is. And, and, the, and the book, I mean, look, we've we've been, had the pleasure of, I think we should start our own little book club because uh, we've had some some really good books on these. These are they are more than than autobiographies or biographies. I think that, that they they tell stories just like the wax pack book tells a story. It's not it's not just, you know, statistics and stuff. Luis's story is an amazing story from the way that he grew up to the way that he reinvented himself into, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame pitcher and one of the greatest pitchers in Red Sox history to even after his yeah, career. He just decided one night, never practiced it before, to look out in the center field and go, hey, I'm going to do this different tonight. You, you know what? I, I would love to have – he said Carlton Fisk was the catcher that night, right? Yep. So, I mean, if you go – we can now weave this in. Are going to reach out back, to Carlton Fisk? Well, that, well, if if you you read the Waxback book, Carlton Fisk isn't exactly the easiest guy to get in touch with, you even to ask that question on a golf course and try to get him as well. <laughs> you, you can do that. But that I would. would I, can you imagine what the pitching coach's reaction was? All of a sudden, this guy who's been their pitcher, and all it, just in the middle of the game, decides he's going to develop this 
elaborate. I mean, it wasn't a minor change that you see people do where you're changing your grip. He he turned his body so that he literally was facing the outfield in the middle. There's nobody who watched baseball during that era that didn't try to do that. Jeff, we're under a minute. I did want to ask you if they do that realignment for the leagues for grapefruit and crack cactus. Did you see who might be in the division with the Phillies? Yeah, but it's not worse than what they were going to be in before anyway. The Yankees. I mean, other than the Marlins, yeah. I mean, they were going to have they were going to have a tough time in the NL East. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about they they have to do something if they're going to have a league. If they're going to realign for one year, I'm not going to complain about where we're realigned to. I just want baseball. I know you do. I, I know you want baseball real bad. Any final thoughts, Jeff? I think we're going to be talking a little more baseball next week too. Hopefully. That sounds like a plan to me. We'll talk about uh, staying far away from you, Jeff. It's better this way, I think. (laughs) I'll be knocking on your door in 10 minutes. How's that? Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.